It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's a sports, sports rush, rush with Brett Rook. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The week. It's hump day and it's time for your local daily sports fix here from 4 to 6 right here on 1380 The Fan 100.9 FM. I am the coach Shannon Griffith joining you once again as Brett Rump is on the bus traveling with the Purdue Fort Wayne Mastodons as they take on Milwaukee tomorrow right here on 1380 The Fan. I know they left some this morning uh, trying to beat the winter storm Olive and I think uh, We'll have an update on that here in a little bit. But joining me, as always, is Adam Lundy and the Producers Cheers. Have a great show for you today. And going to talk a little bit of Comet Hockey and their big loss this morning uh, to South Carolina, 3-1. First hour, IU and Purdue basketball back-to-back setting up for the big rematch this Saturday down in Mackey Arena in West Lafayette. And then in the second hour, we'll talk that common hockey with Justin Cohn from the Journal Gazette, as well as a discussion about the NCAA Division III tournament that is coming to Fort Wayne on March the 16th through the 18th. They've got a little thing happening on February 27th, and we'll have someone joining us from that body to discuss what is happening all with that, as well as the tourney. Adam, good to see you, my man, again on a rainy day, stormy day yeah, here in you, Fort Wayne. You always bring the uh, bad weather here with you, Shannon. I don't know what's up with that. Well, I just, I, I, you know, I don't know, but I know that you had talked to uh, Rumpy a little bit, and uh, did did I almost feel like we should break in with weather announcements from his traveling. Uh, with <laughs> with the mastodons on that bus. Well, you certainly know he is our uh, amateur meteorologist here at 1380 <laughs> The Fan and 100.9 FM. Uh, last I heard from him was about half an hour ago, and they were uh, just getting across the Wisconsin state line after stopping to practice in Chicago with the Dons, and uh, they're getting into the freezing right now and expecting to get closer to the snow as they get up into Milwaukee. So. We'll see how things go. Well, I, we obviously wish him safe travels. Exactly right. Safe travels, especially when you're driving on those highways that lead up and through Wisconsin. Freezing rain is not something that you would rather be driving in on a big Greyhound bus, but safe travel to the Mastodons and good luck as they're getting to finish up their part of the season because the Horizon League Conference tourney, I believe, starts next week. Down at in down in Indianapolis at uh, uh, is that Farmers Bank Arena? Is that what they call it now down there at the old Coliseum? In the State Fair one? Yeah, I believe it's the Indiana Farmers Coliseum yeah, at the State go. Fairgrounds. Yeah, there you go. That's where they're holding the Horizon Tourney, I believe. 
you know, life updates. I'm still a free agent, unfortunately. I have not found the right opportunity, but my agent informs me there are some possibilities. There are some possibilities that uh, my agent keeps telling me. I don't know if he's just saying that to keep me spirits <laughs> up or are they're actually there, but I was down in southern Indiana yesterday discussing some things for a position, but we'll see what happens with that. Got back last night in time to watch the IU-Michigan State game. And uh, or uh, I should have left it on the Blackhawks versus the Vegas Golden Knights. That was probably a better game to continue <laughs> watching. But switched over for that. You know, we're going to talk to Zach Osterman here coming up from the Indianapolis Star uh, later on. But, you know, that was, in my opinion, a disappointing loss. Now, setting the stage for that. This is that first game back on campus after that foolish shooting that occurred where three Michigan State students were or were killed, unfortunately, as well as five others that were critically injured in that. And everyone at the arena, including the coaching staff, had a Spartan Strong uh, uh, shirt on. Tom Izzo, I have a ton of respect for his leadership. They played some clips here and there of him addressing uh, the Michigan State faithful uh, and how he put things in perspective for them. But last night, um, you know, Jackson Davis was just off. I mean, I didn't, I didn't think he looked like himself. I thought he was a little sluggish at times. Um, and that, that was a problem for them because without his productivity, nobody else was stepping up. I mean, it was just one of those games where um, Michigan State, you know, overpowered him. And and the, the thing about it was it started off so good. I mean, Indiana got out to about a 10-point lead and was playing pretty good. And then all of a sudden the tables turned and uh, IU had no answers. I mean, they just – the one thing I was critical about I could say was – defensively, I thought they should try to some different things to switch up. You know, they're, they're you know, grindstone man-to-man, which I agree, you got to be able to play man-to-man defense. But there are times where I think jumping into a zone, especially if your top guy is struggling, uh, to provide him a little relief uh, uh, is warranted. But they just didn't do it. And, you know, they lost a big one. Uh there at Michigan State, because I thought, see if you think this is what you would feel, Adam. We're, we're moving towards March Madness. You got the tournament coming up. IU comes up next week. They play, uh, or I'm sorry, Saturday they play Purdue in that big rematch. I thought they needed th- that win against Michigan State to just improve their overall resume when it comes to seeding in the Big Ten. And our and the, the national attorney per se, but now with that loss and potentially now taking on Purdue in West Lafayette, um, it could hurt them. And not that it's going to keep them. I don't think that's going to keep them out of the tourney by any means. But I just don't think they're going to get a great seating. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Big Ten's uh, standings right now, and there is just an absolute. Uh, volley of teams that are sitting at nine and seven right now in Indiana with uh, the loss last night, they're sitting at 10 and seven. So, yeah. I mean, with these uh, last couple games here in the big 10, I think we're really going to see things start to shake out in regards to uh, seedings for that. 
but yeah, just uh, not not a not a pretty stat sheet that I'm looking at here for tonight for last night's game, and no. uh, yeah, it just seems like they didn't didn't bring the bring the effort. Well, I think that's one critical component of it. Um, but you know, we'll get a. I tell you, Zach will have yeah. a pretty good breakdown. You know, because I'm sure he was up there at uh, at and East Lansing, but uh, you know, just one of those games that uh, you know got away from him. Absolutely. And, uh, tip the hat to Michigan State because they had gone through a lot and their kids really stepped up to the plate <coughs> as um, uh, as that game uh, went on and really took charge of it in the in the latter part of the first half going into the second half. But we'll talk a little bit more about that with uh, Zach coming up here in a few minutes. Hey, the Colts made their hire at offensive coordinator. Yeah, it's uh, Jim Bob Cooter. I love that name. It's everybody's favorite name now. And um, pretty good coach from what I understand of his background. <coughs> but uh, Jim Bob was, uh, Cooter is a great name, and I think the faithful will enjoy having that name around. But, you know, I think here's a question for the text line. Uh, and it comes because we're now moving forward to the draft coming up. You got the combine coming up, and then, of course, the draft. Colts hold the fourth overall pick in the draft. Now, here's the question for you, the audience in general, for our text line, 46832. No, 46862. Oh, 62. Yes. Okay, I, I blew it again. Four six eight six, six two. two. Okay. Um, should the Colts hold the fourth pick or trade up to get the first pick in doing a deal with the Chicago Bears? Hold it or move forward? What do you think? I mean, personally, I'm holding it just because I don't think that you're going to get that much of a better quarterback at one than you're going to get at four. Um and I think that you also, you know, you lose whatever you give up to get that number one. So mm-hmm. personally, I I think that you can get a perfectly serviceable quarterback for us, a, a, a team like the Colts. And they've been flo- and they've been floating around, uh, or it seems to be floating around Jonathan Taylor as mm-hmm. a possible uh, a trade package of with him involved in it. But I I think you're right. I I would hold it now. I said on Twitter I was going to give my opinion, and here we go. Best of my opinion. Um, I think they hold that pick, and I would draft Will Levis of Kentucky, and I'll tell you why. Um, Big, strong quarterback, big, strong arm, has mobility, which helps because of the Colts' offensive line. I'm not sure is going to be – um, overly corrected in one year, uh, they still, I think, may have problems based upon their performance this year. And the other thing that I like with Will is creating quarterback runs. So here's a kid that's well over 230 pounds, but he runs at a legitimate 4740. He looks like a linebacker and um, really got his start down in Kentucky. Now, he was a Penn State signee, and, you know, didn't find, you know, found the things that he needed to move on from there to head on to Kentucky. 
But I think you stay put, and then you use some of those second-round picks because the other thing that the Colts need desperately is a guy that can stretch the field vertically and can be a consistent threat down the field. Thoughts? Yeah, we got a couple texts already on the oh, okay. uh, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Someone said uh, they suggest uh, trading with the Bears for Justin Fields and having the uh, Fields be the Colts quarterback. Well, uh, that w- I, I, I like the thought process there. The problem is, is the Bears have made him their franchise des- destiny uh, uh, up there because there were talks on whether they were going to do that or not. And his performance, they thought, warranted that tag. So while I wouldn't put it uh, that idea off the table is not being a good thought it's just that it's just not going to happen with their with what they've done up in chicago and i don't think signing car i'll just get that off the table right now i don't think signing car or you know rogers up at green bay if he would happen to become on the market is the is the answers this is something with a new coaching staff you draft a young quarterback and you develop now why is Bryce like Bryce Young and not in my uh, thought process? He is a great quarterback. There's no question. He is a great quarterback. Here's my feeling on him. He's six foot. He's not all that tall, not all that big. He really doesn't like to run the football. And, um, you know, I don't know what he would do without that similar talent that he's had in his com- competitive days at Alabama. Now, because, you know, you look at uh, Jones, who's up at the Patriots. I mean, he was awful good, too. And they're not always sold on him right now up at in New England. So I'm a little bit cold on him, although he's going to be in the NFL. He's going to go high. But I, I just don't know if he's what the Colts need at that position right now and will the young man is a 4.0 student he had ivy league offers and i like smart quarterbacks because they are analytical and i think a coach and staff would like that about him a little bit of uh you know harken back to the days to the manning and days of such but that's my thought on that we've got it on the text line 46862 Parkview Sports Medicine text line. You can kind of continue with that thought. Yeah, someone else just weighed in with they think that the Colts should stay with the number four pick. So, I like him. <laughs> I like that young man, gentleman, or that thought like I did. <laughs> or young lady, you never know. Never know, never know. But uh, also, I want to say this too, and I'm this is nothing other than a thank you for yesterday when I had to go out of town. Enterprise over on Lawrence Drive there on Southwest Fort Wayne. John helped me out with uh, my rental. So if you can, if you end up going out there to Enterprise Rental on Lawrence Drive and you see John, tell him, tell him Coach Griff sent you because they do a great job and helped me out a lot yesterday when I needed a vehicle. But, you know, the other thing is, you know, with the Colts, it, time will tell. Um, I've seen different mock drafts as well. And every mock draft, <laughs> it has them either trading up, taking Young, staying put, taking uh, uh, Levis, the Levis kid from Kentucky. Um, I think I saw one mock, one mock draft where they took uh, CJ from Ohio State. Only one. 
it seems like it's either young or will leave us from uh, Kentucky. But time would tell. But I would stick with four. Jeff, that young man from Kentucky, bring him up through the system. Now, they're still going to have to take another quarterback potentially because they're still going to need a potential backup to him, their first quarterback, or a third-time quarterback because of Sam Ellinger. We don't know what they're going to do with him. Uh, and what, time will tell with what, how their roster shakes out with there. But how about some of your top headlines from the sports world today? All right, well, former Indianapolis Colts head coach Frank Reich, who is now the head coach of the Panthers, wouldn't give a definite answer today on whether he and the Panthers would be bringing in veteran quarterback Derek Carr for a visit with the organization. Reich said that he and his staff were just beginning the process of looking at their roster and is not able to say what their plans are for the future. The Atlanta Hawks fired head coach Nate McMillan on Tuesday. The Hawks are 29-30 and in an eighth place in the Eastern Conference. Hawks general manager Landry Fields said Wednesday that former jazz coach Quinn Snyder is among those being considered to replace McMillan. Miles Bridges says he may be back in the NBA soon, returning to play for the Hornets. It's been a long process, Bridges said last night at halftime of Michigan State's home game against Indiana. I might be back in March, said Bridges. Bridges, who led Charlotte in scoring last season, has not played while under an NBA investigation. And Kevin Durant's debut for the Phoenix Suns won't happen until Sunday or Wednesday, according to Brian Windhorst. That's a lot of news on a on what is pretty slow Wednesday in the sporting world. Not too much is going on today, but we're going to step aside here, get our first break in. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Sam King from the Lafayette Jur Journal and Courier to talk a little bit of Purdue basketball right after this here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Taking you home on a Wednesday here on the Sports Rush. Want to make a clarification. And thanks to our text line for keeping this old man up to speed. <laughs> they have not yet tagged Justin Fields. I had misread a article today that I thought they had made that destination for him it's still open, so they have not made that overall commitment. Can I sad trombone you? Sure. Deserve it. Deserve it. All right. So, but hey, we want to make sure I got in front of my skis a little bit on that one. But thank you for the text line for making that correction. I appreciate you all chipping in and hearing your opinions on that. But you know what? It's time for Purdue basketball. Had the big one Sunday against Ohio State, 82 to 55. Joining us now on the guest hotline is Sam King from the Lafayette Journal and Courier. And thanks, thanks, Sam, for joining us here today on the Sports Rush. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Well, it's a rainy, rainy day here in northeast Indiana. And uh, I'm sure you're still having some of that weather affecting you there over in West Lafayette. But uh, I guess brighter days are ahead, per se. Well... Purdue's been off here for a couple of days, and, uh, you know, I kind of wanted to go back to this Ohio State win because I thought that was a pretty big statement win for their season, the way they did it against Ohio State. What were some of your takeaways on that game? Yeah, it felt like um, even though Purdue had lost three or four on the road and in the grand scheme of things, the you know, everything looks good, but when you lose three games out of your last four, people start to panic a little bit and think that uh, the sky is falling. So I think Purdue just needed to reassure 
it's fan base that no, we're still a good basketball team. We, you know, we've had a bad game and then a couple games where some things didn't go our way. But uh, I think that it was kind of in a lot of ways a must win just to kind of reassess itself as the the best team in the Big Ten Conference. And um, Ohio State's really struggled this year. Uh, I think back to when Purdue played at Ohio State and the Buckeyes were ranked and um, had high expectations and things have just kind of fallen apart since then. Um, so Purdue had to win this game against the team that it should beat and to do it in dominant fashion and to get as much production, you know, deep down in the bench as it did. I think this was a really um, just a game that was needed all the way around from guy number one to like basically guy number 13 that got in the game. Well, that's one thing about their bench. They really do have a productive bench and has been really uh, reliable for better part of the year. Um, and you need those kids to come off the bench and make things happen because when your first five may be struggling or, or things are not going well, they've always had that next guy step up. And uh, I think what Kaufman uh, ran, he had 11 against Ohio State, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but I thought it was a big win from the standpoint of what you just said about some of the road losses they had taken. And, you know, everybody looks at the Northwestern loss and, Northwestern may be the most under uh, underrated team in the Big Ten this year. Yeah, um, losing at Maryland is not a surprise. Everybody else has done it, too. Yep. Um, losing at Northwestern, even though it was a game that most people probably usually marked as a win on the schedule, and Northwestern is uh, they're the, maybe the surprise team in the country right now. I think um, people talk about Purdue making a rise from not being ranked to number one over the course of this season. Northwestern, I believe, was picked at the finish 13th in the Big Ten and has a chance to win the league. So that's been quite incredible. And then losing at IU, again, not a terrible loss. So, you know, these weren't bad losses. It was just kind of bad when you look at the way that they lost some of these games. At Indiana, having a terrible first half and having to crawl out of a hole. At Maryland, leading by six and then kind of collapsing down the stretch. At Northwestern, where you just didn't play well in the second half and you play even half as well as you, you're capable of, and you probably come out with a win there. So I think that's why people are skeptical, maybe if, if they are. And, you know, Purdue fans just kind of unfortunately have had so many things go wrong in seasons where they have great years like this mm-hmm. uh, that it becomes expected. And I think that that's kind of where some of the fans are right now is like we're just waiting for, for whatever bad luck is going to come our way to happen. And, you know, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think that uh, this team is still very good and putting it all together should wrap up the Big Ten championship and then, um, you know, likely have a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, I think that is a pretty much uh, there as well. And, of course, when you have a guy that's over seven feet and eighty. I think you're going to have a really good chance to win some ball games as opposed to other years when things kind of fell apart for Coach Painter in the latter part of the year. You know, looking at this week, you know, that he had, uh, Coach Painter had, how how has he handled this week over there in West Lafayette, you know, now that they've been off for a few days in terms of playing a game? Yeah, and it was kind of rapid fire for a while, and Purdue at one point had played two more games in the conference than than anybody else. So now's the point of the schedule where Purdue gets that, that break and you get to rest your legs. They did not practice on Monday. Uh, I imagine it's kind of a you know couple light days, and then you pick up with um, preparing for Indiana. The good thing is you just played Indiana two weeks ago, so um, you're kind of prepared already for what you're going to see. You know it's going to be a 
you know, from a fan standpoint, a lot of eyes watching the Trace Jackson Davis versus Zach Eady battle inside. Um, one of those guys is going to win Big Ten Player of the Year. It seemed like it was going away Eady, and now uh, Trace has picked up some steam. So uh, it's always a highly anticipated matchup when those two teams play, but given that um, yeah, I know Indiana lost last night, but those two teams are probably playing as well as anybody in the Big Ten. Um, you factor in Northwestern there as well, I think. But mm-hmm. um, I think people probably think Purdue and Indiana are going to kind of carry the torch in the NCAA tournament for, for the Big Ten. Well, yeah, I would say in some respects the thing that I think Purdue has on an IU at this point, and we talked about earlier, is the bench that they have that they able to pull that, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth guy to come in and, and, and be productive. I think IU has struggled with that some of that this year. But speaking of the Hoosiers, you got the big rematch this Saturday night. They're in Mackey Arena. It's going to be a wild and rocking Mackey Arena. What are some things are you looking for from a Purdue's perspective in that ball game? Well, uh, I mean, Mackey, I think, is going to – to be phenomenal. He has been almost every game this year, and when he hasn't, it's because teams have thrown two or three defenders on him, and he just he's so unselfish. He lets somebody else kind of step up and uh, and, and have their day, I guess. But you got to get off to a better start. Uh, at Indiana, Purdue's down by 15 at halftime and has the ball late with a, a chance to tie or take the lead, I believe, and um, just got a timely turnover that you know was maximized because of the situation that happened in but uh a lot of things go right in the first half that didn't and you're not in that situation at all so i think purdue especially being at home has to get off to a great start and get the crowd into the game and um kind of flip the situation that the iu had in bloomington where it was a hostile environment and, and uh some of the purdue guys i think especially the younger ones who haven't been in something like that before just weren't ready for it so mm-hmm. that's the biggest takeaway is you know can you get that going? And then it's, um, as you said, the, the production off the bench. Every one of those guys almost has shown the capability to have a big game, but it's been Trey Kaufman ran one night or Mason Gillis one night or, you know, whoever it might be, David Jenkins Jr. If you can get two or three of those guys to be on at the same time and give you, you know, probably 20 to 30 points combined uh, off the bench, you're in a good situation because you know Zach Eady's going to get his points. Um, at some point, you think Fletcher Lawyer is going to snap out of the shooting funk that he's in, and he's done this once before this year, and then he caught fire for you know a stretch of games. And I think that good shooters, you know, it's going to come back to form, and at some point, Fletcher Lawyer is going to be a huge boost for this team again from the perimeter. Yeah, those two freshmen though are filling the the uh, Big Ten schedule as we round up the latter part of the year. It's something they haven't been through, and uh, they're now learning under fire there as they wrap up the season uh and then saturday the hoosiers come to town and then you finish up with wisconsin and illinois i believe but sam i really appreciate you joining us here today on the sports rush and i look forward to talking again at some point Uh, no problem i appreciate you having me on that's sam keen from the lafayette journal and courier here today on the sports rush we'll be right back on 1380 the fan 100.9 fm Welcome back to the Sports Rush alongside Adam Lundy. I'm the coach, Shannon Griffin. Thanks for tuning in this afternoon. Be careful as we're, again, facing bad weather. It's because I'm in studio. That's usually what happens is the bad weather comes. But 
I digress. You know, the Hoosiers last night had a tough night up in East Lansing, losing to the Spartans 80-65. to 65. And joining us now on the guest, guest line is Zach Osterman from the Indy Star, going to give us a little lowdown of last night. Zach, how are you doing? I'm good. I beat the ice storm south. So I'm... <laughs> well, is the weather cleared up for you down there? Or? Uh, it's in the 70s down here right now, but I think we're about to get a bunch of rain. So it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been a market departure from where I woke up this morning. <laughs> I tell you, Indiana has some of the craziest weather. Southern part in the 70s, northern part ice storm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit of a difference. It's a bit of a departure. That's right. Well. You know, last night was the first game, I think, back on campus for Michigan State basketball since the senseless shooting act that took took the lives of three Michigan State students and I believe injured another five. You know, uh, describe a little bit of that atmosphere last night. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was, you know, it was unusual. And I think, um, I I wouldn't say like people didn't, you know, Indiana didn't want to win the game or anything like that, Mm -hmm. but I think there was an understanding from, you know, the beginning that, that there was just kind of more going on and, you know, driving through campus, trying to get to my hotel and then get to some dinner and then get to the arena. You could see all the messages of support and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there were, as you'd expect, enhanced security measures in place um, just because of, you know, everyone being sort of hyper vigilant, even for, you know, checking media bags and things like that. And, um, you know, it was, I mean, it was undeniably strange, but I think it was, you know, the, the moment that kind of sticks with me and maybe this is a journalist reading too much into it, but it did feel cathartic in the moment. Um, you know, there was, that they, they, they had a, the public address announcer read out a statement of support and sort of mm-hmm. unity solidarity and then somebody started the whole go green go white chant um you know with it where half the arena yells go green and the other half yells go white they did that a couple times and then it settled down and then somebody yelled go hoosiers and the whole arena kind of laughed (laughs) and and then started booing and it it just you know it 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 felt like sort of a a moment of levity and also maybe a a moment of you know some normalcy um amid obviously against the backdrop of, of Something a lot more difficult. Yeah, I could tell even in the broadcast on ESPN that was a little bit, I guess, toned down in some respects because of the events that happened. But they did a really good job of, of, of really, you know, showing different aspects outside the game. And I said earlier today that I have a ton of respect and have always had a ton of respect for Tom Izzo and his abilities to lead. And they cut. They did a segment where they showed him speaking. I believe right, pretty much the day after or so uh, that it happened. That it was a, a just one of those speeches, and you just said there. You looked at him and says, "That's a leader," you know, and how he phrased things. Yeah, I think he is. I mean, he is among the people that I think have really tried to just sort of, as you say, just, just be leaders, be voices. Um, you know, at, at times like this, I think. People can be fearful. They can be hurting, but I mm-hmm. think they also. I think people. I think people want to be empowered. I think they want to feel like they can make a difference somehow. And, and sometimes, you know, it, it, it's important to have people that will sort of step out and and lead with their voice and be supportive, but also be decisive. And and you know, it's it's a lot to take on. You know, I mean, just I've, I've seen it at different times. I think we 
You know, we probably saw it at times through COVID. I think sports figures tried to, you know, carry that mantle at times. Then we do see it around tragedies. It can be difficult. It can be draining. I think, you know, Tom Izzo looked like he was moved to tears a couple times last night. But I think he has tried to be, you know, as, as someone who's probably more synonymous with Michigan State University than any other single person um, alive, I think he has tried very hard to be someone who, who did step in and sort of fill that void and, and just try to be a, a voice kind of in the confusion for people as much as anything else. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's shift our focus here to the Hoosiers last night. You know, they got off to a really good start uh, right out of the gates. I believe they were up 10 at one point. Uh, but then something changed. It just, I don't know what it, you know, was. Or I can't really pinpoint maybe this play or that play. But uh, there just seemed to be a latter part of that first half, a big change in the game. Yeah, I think there are a couple of things. One, Mike Woodson opted to bench Jalen Hushafino with two fouls, and, and that was a real pivot point in terms of matchups, and, and Indiana sort of starting to flip a little bit in some areas defensively um, when when Hushafino went to the bench. I also think, um, to his credit, Tyson Walker hit a couple, you know, oh, yes. two or three shots, and, you know, that building being inside it, I can tell you it was, you know, I think I think it was kind of maybe the best way to describe it is, is unsure how to react, unsure how to behave. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think people wanted to feel energetic and supportive, and probably wanted to feel a certain sort of release after everything that's happened. But you know, in, in the same moment, that's a very strange environment to be in. And for those first 10, 12 minutes, because Indiana was playing well defensively, because Michigan State was kind of laboring, I think people, I think fans were struggling to just sort of figure out what you know, how they should react, what the, how they should, how they can get the atmosphere going. And then Walker hit a couple of big shots. And I think that finally woke them up. Um, and then I think Indiana just, you know, it was kind of a combination of, of what we've seen recently, which is Indiana's offense is, is frankly the last four or five games has, has not been as good as it had been, you know, during that stretch where they went, you know, kind of six and one, seven and one across. Right. The early February. And also I think Indiana just had a bad defensive night. That was the first night mm-hmm. for Walker stayed on January 11th. And it gave up double-digit three-pointers to an opponent. And some of those were open ones on defensive breakdowns. Some of them were just tough shots that Michigan State made. In a game that, you know, it's worth saying, obviously Michigan State will have wanted to win that game first and foremost, I think, just for their community and, mm-hmm. and just, you know, for all the, the, the bigger reasons. There's also an important game for a team that's probably closer to the bubble than it's comfortable with. Michigan State was, I think, I want to say 16-10 and 10 going into yesterday. Yes. Um and, and they were only a game above 500 in conference play. That's, that's the sort of game that if you want to be comfortable on Selection Sunday, you can't let a home game like that against a ranked opponent with solid metrics, solid net numbers, Ken Palm, all that. You can't let that slip away. And Michigan State ultimately just needed that game a little bit more than Indiana did for a, a variety of reasons. And they made some tough shots. They made some open shots. And Indiana just kind of couldn't, couldn't keep up. I think you can have some concerns, I guess is what I'm saying, about Indiana yes. more broadly while recognizing that that was a game Indiana was unlikely to win. Well, a couple things that you picking up off on there. Number one, um, I thought Indiana, from a winning standpoint, would have liked to have had that just for a resume booster, you know, going into East Lansing and winning that game. Uh, would have just, you know, put a little bit more uh, zazz on their resume heading into the tourney. Uh, but you talked about Tyson Walker, 23 points, 5 of 7 from three-point land. But look at the stats here at the end. 
they were 47% from the field, uh, 47.6% from three-point land, and 18 of 19 from the foul line for 94%. That is pretty darn good basketball on the offensive side of the equation. And it's, and it's I mean, and I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on Michigan State here. It, it's better than Michigan State has been recently offensively. And, again, some of that was Indiana. And some of Indiana's breakdowns, and I think we can have some wider conversations about things like Trace Jackson Davis's workload and whether Indiana can get Xavier Johnson back and how he can impact mm-hmm. this team, or particularly defensively, but also in some in some some key ways offensively as well. But I, I just, you know, I, I, I've seen games like that. Even if you were to remove all of the sort of exit circumstances, everything going on outside the game. That's just the sort of game Michigan State needs more than Indiana. Indiana, you know, you're right. It would have been a nice little win for Indiana. It would have been a quad one win. It would have been a solid win. But, I mean, it wouldn't even have been necessarily one of their top two road wins. Right. Um, in terms of, you know, what – and I'm not I'm not saying Indiana wanted to lose the game or anything like that. I'm just saying that, you know, if, if you're wondering where the urgency was coming from for Michigan State that maybe Indiana couldn't match, well, you know, it, it's – partly because of, again, everything that was going on around the game that had to do with basketball. And, and if, you know, if anybody's mind was on, you know, let's call them, for lack of something a little bit more artful, more normal, you know, questions, Michigan State just needed to win that game. I mean, Michigan State needed that win more than Indiana did for NCAA tournament purposes right. by an order of magnitude. And so, you know, like I said, you can be, you can be concerned about Indiana and its recent performances and, you can say they don't quite look like the team they look like in the middle into January. I get all that. But th- that also doesn't mean that, you know, sort of Indiana threw one away in East Lansing last night. You just – if the roles had been reversed, and again, even if we had removed the, you know, everything going on around Michigan State University with the shooting and, and just all the sort of, you know, the grief and, and pain that, that that community has been sort of, you know, cycling through. Even if you removed all that, if, if we – reverse the roles and Indiana won that game at home, we wouldn't necessarily have criticized Michigan State. We would have just said, well, that was the game Indiana had to have. And mm-hmm. They did, and they were, you know, their play reflected it, and they picked it up, and that's just kind of how it goes sometimes this time of year. Two things I want to kind of expand upon as well from the Indiana perspective last night. You brought up Trace Jackson Davis, workload and stuff. He really looked sluggish last night, and I, you know, I don't know if he was under the weather or he just didn't look like his self that you normally expect. Even though I believe he still had uh, what 19 points last night, but that's a little bit under his productivity. Uh, the other thing is elaborate on in a quick fashion here, as radio we have breaks and such, is the lack of production of IU's bench. They just it doesn't seem they're getting enough of that, especially in games like last night with when Trace Jackson Davis isn't quite on. No, and I think those things can go hand in hand. I mean, this is what I wrote about last night. You know, Jackson Davis does not quite look like himself. He's it just, it, it, to the naked eye, he's moving just a little slower. He doesn't have quite the same bounce. Last night was the first game since November 25th. He didn't record a single block. It didn't feel like he was quite as sharp and explosive defensively as we're accustomed to. It feels like he's struggling to attack double teams in the same way mm-hmm. as maybe he was. He's played a lot of minutes, and life in the lane in the Big Ten is is, is pretty rough and tumble. Um, you know, I, I mean, what I wrote after last night was he needs help, and, and, and that can be, 
Xavier Johnson coming back. It can be Indiana maybe getting a little bit more from the three-point line. They've really retreated from the three-point line in terms of attempts per game. And I think some of that is because they have a high-usage, high-efficiency post player. I get that. But if you can find a few more of those, then it takes a little bit of that pressure off Trace Jackson Davis, and then suddenly maybe he's a little freer. He can move around a little bit more. He's not facing so many double teams and suddenly sort of, you know, all boats rise. And I think the other piece of that is the bench. You, you've just got, you know, you've lost Trey Galloway off the bench because you had to move him into the starting lineup because of injuries. You've got guys back there that can be productive. We've seen Malik Renew be productive. We've seen Jordan Geronimo be productive. We've all, also seen him struggle with foul trouble. And then you've got guys like Tamar Bates who, um, and, you know, to a lesser extent, you don't want to put it too much on your freshmen, but to a lesser extent, your freshmen, um, who've just not been able to find consistent offensive production and haven't been able to, you know, sort of be dogged enough defensively to, to to make up for that at the other end of the floor. Indiana's just got to find a way, give Trace Jackson Davis, I think, a little bit more help. If they can do that, and I'm not talking about, you know, an, I'm not talking about another 15-point-a-game score. I'm just talking about a little bit more consistent production around him in a variety of ways then I think this team can sort of get itself in a really good spot come March. Well, there's no question about that. And, you know, last night, the production off the bench, like I said, I think they only had three points from their bench last night, which in Big Ten plays, that's tough to overcome. Now, looking ahead real quick here to Saturday in Mackey Arena versus Purdue, here's a team that's coming off a big win, their big win against Ohio State. And I mean that just from the standpoint, them doing what they are expected to do to beat Ohio State. Uh, they IU had to head up there, and Purdue's kind of had a week off. What what are some of the things that you're looking for from IU in this game here in a you know minute or so of you know kind of what you're looking at from IU's perspective? Yeah, I think there's. I mean, I do think if you're Indiana, you have a formula for Purdue that's worked, frankly, the last two years. One is they've got the more physically dominant big, but you've got the more athletic, mobile big. And if you can use Trace Jackson Davis to move Zach Eady around, especially defensively, then you can get him into mismatches and exploit them. I think you also saw the way that Indiana was able to attack the backcourt matchup in Bloomington. Trey Galloway played well that night. Jalen Petrofino was very, very good that night. Indiana caused Braden Smith some, some problems. I think Fletcher Lawyer had 12 points, but he needed 12 shots to do it. You've got some physical advantages in that backcourt, some experience advantages in that backcourt. If you can get those guards, into a little bit of bother, a little bit of trouble, then you can take advantage of that as well. Indiana turns Purdue over more often in that game in Bloomington than, than Purdue normally does. Obviously, it's different when it's Mackey. It's different when Purdue is this close to clinching the, at least to share the Big Ten title. I think we all expect them to win it outright. And there's no shame if Indiana goes up there, puts up a battling performance, and loses like they did last year. Again, this isn't the sort of game that Indiana has to win. But I do think from the last couple years, you know, Indiana's 2-1 and one in their last three games against Purdue. Both of those wins are at home. But the formula has worked. Pressure the guards, move Edie around, get him out in space and away from the rim enough to sort of take advantage of maybe the, the mobility advantage that Trace Jackson Davis has and see if you can't keep it close enough for it to be a, a stressful game in the last five, seven minutes. It's easier said than done in Mackey, but Indiana played fairly well there last year and, and they've obviously beaten Purdue twice at home. So it's not like they don't have a learned experience of some of these, these matchups working for them. Well, we thank you for your insight once again, my friend, and uh, we'll be looking for your article Saturday as the, as Purdue and Indiana rematch at Mackey uh, is Saturday night, seven thirty tip off Zach. Thanks again for joining us today. 
Absolutely. Thanks for having me as always. Stay warm up there. All righty. That was Zach Osterman from the Indianapolis Star. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, we're going to be right back here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan 100.9 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.